Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good morning and welcome to the Sunday, um, November 6, 2022 episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This is the morning section. I'm Wayne Floyd, your host. Um, links to everything I'm going to be uh, reading today are in the show notes, as well as links to hard copies of the resources we're using. Uh, the Valley of Vision, which is a collection of Puritan prayers. Um, Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, which is devotions. And then we're going to be using the Legacy Standard Bible translation uh, because at this time it is the most texturally accurate to the uh, original or well to the earliest manuscripts we have of of the document of the of the Bible. <clears throat> um, and there is also a link to a PDF that is Robert Murray McShane's um, Read the Bible in a Year Plan, which is what we are reading through, um, along with a letter that was. <clears throat> sent to his congregation who he created the plan for. Um, and it's definitely worthwhile to read the letter that he wrote. Um, definitely gives good guidance on how to read through this. So as we've been doing for the last, I guess maybe this is the sixth day or something like that. Um, we're going to do a morning section and an evening section. Obviously, if you wish, you can go ahead and re listen to both all the way through. I'm going to record it all in one stream. Um, you can listen to it all the way through. We're in control of that. But if you wish, I'm going to make clear delineation between the morning and the evening section. And so if you wish, and which was kind of the point of doing this this way, is you can listen to the morning section this morning um, and then come back this evening as part of your evening devotions and listen to the evening section where I'll be doing a, a, a short message. Um, <clears throat> and again, this, this podcast is motivated um, by the fact is... Um, my pastor actually sent me, I knew it was low, but my pastor actually sent me, um, a stat yesterday. Let me actually pull it up. So I don't misquote the stat he sent me. Um, and the, this <clears throat> stat is part of the motivation as to why I'm doing this. Um, though I didn't know the exact stat. I, um, let's see where to go, where to go, where to go. Yeah, there we go. 8% of Christians read their Bible every day. 8%. If we claim to be Christians, and thus Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, and thus we are under the dominion of God, then we should be following his commands. And one of his commands, actually he says it multiple times, we are to be reading the scriptures. We are to be totally saturating ourselves in the word of God. So I, you know, I know how tough the world is out there and that's part of why I provide this podcast and, and hopes that it helps you. But we are commanded to be in the word of God constantly under its preaching and teaching under reading and studying and under prayer and devotion. 
we are to be in those constantly. So I hope this helps you, but I hope it also motivates you to take up your own studies. Please don't use this as a substitute. You need to be studying. You need to be head down in the word of God every day, every day. It's not a request to us. It's a command to all of us. So that's what motivated this. Well, let's, so I don't want to waste any more time. So let's go ahead and let's dive into our reading for this morning's section. So our opening prayer for this morning, again, it could, because it's the first day of the week, we're going to do the first day morning prayer and it's called worship. Oh Lord, we commune with the everyday, but weekdays are worldly days and secular concerns reduce heavenly impressions. We bless thee, therefore, for the day sacred to our souls, when we can wait upon thee and be refreshed. We thank thee for the institutions of religion, by use of which we draw near to thee, and thou to us. We rejoice in another Lord's day, when we call off our minds from the cares of the world, and attend upon thee without distraction. Let our retirement be devout, our conversation edifying, our reading pious, our hearing profitable, that our souls may be quickened and elevated. We are going to the house of prayer. Pour upon us the spirit of grace and supplication. We are going to the house of praise. Awaken in us every grateful and cheerful emotion. We are going to the house of instruction. Give testimony to the word preached and glorify it in the hearts of all who hear. May it enlighten the ignorant, awaken the careless, reclaim the wandering, establish the weak, Comfort the feeble-minded. Make ready a people for their Lord. Be a sanctuary to all who cannot come. Forget not those who never come. And do thou bestow upon us benevolence towards our dependents, forgiveness towards our enemies, peaceableness towards our neighbors, openness towards our fellow Christians. Amen. All right. And our morning devotion this morning, uh, the, the Spurgeon devotional is for November 6th. And this is the morning devotion. The text for it is Isaiah 44, three, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. When a believer has fallen into a low, sad state of feeling, he often tries to lift himself out of it by chastening himself with dark and doleful fears. Such is not the way to rise from the dust, but to continue in it. As well chain the eagle's wing to make it mount, as doubt in order to increase our grace. <clears throat> it is not the law, but the gospel which saves the seeking soul at first. And it is not a legal bondage, but gospel liberty, which can restore the fainting believer afterwards. Slavish fear brings not back the backslider to God, but the sweet wooings of love allure him to Jesus' bosom. Are you this morning thirsting for the living God and unhappy because you cannot find him to the delight of your heart? Have you lost the joy of religion? And is this your prayer? Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Are you conscious also that you are barren like the dry ground, that you are not bringing forth the fruit unto God, which he has a right to expect of you, that you are not so useful in the church or in the world as your heart desires to be? then here is exactly the promise which you need. I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. You shall receive the grace you so much require, and you shall have it to the utmost, each of your needs. Water refreshes the thirsty. You shall be refreshed. Your desires shall be gratified. Water quickens sleeping vegetables. I'm sorry. Water quickens sleeping vegetable life. Your life shall be quickened by fresh grace. 
Water swells the buds and makes the fruit ripen. You shall have fructifying grace. You shall be made fruitful in the ways of God. Whatever good quality there is in divine grace, you shall enjoy it to the full. All the riches of divine grace you shall receive in plenty. You shall be, as it were, drenched with it, and as sometimes the meadows become flooded by the bursting rivers, and the fields are turned into pools, so shall you be. The thirsty land shall be springs of water. All right. And our reading today is going to be Second Kings nine, sorry, Second Kings nineteen, Hebrews one, Hosea twelve, and Psalm one thirty five and one thirty six. So Second Kings nineteen. Now it happened that when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and entered the house of Yahweh. Then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, with Shebna the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. And they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, reproof, and rejection, for children have come to the point of breaking forth, but there is no strength to give birth. Perhaps Yahweh your God will hear all the words of Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God and will reprove the words which Yahweh your God has heard. Therefore lift up a prayer for the remnant that is left. So the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says Yahweh, Do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard, with which the young men of the king of Assyria have have blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him, so that he will hear a report and return to his own land, and I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Then Rabshakeh returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king had set out from Lachish. Then he heard them say concerning Terhaka, king of Ethiopia, Behold, he has come out to fight against you. So he sent messengers again to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you shall say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let your God, in whom you trust, deceive you, saying, Jerusalem will not be given into the hand of the king of of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, devoting them to destruction. So will you be delivered? Did the gods of those nations which my fathers brought to ruin deliver them? Even Gozan and Haran and Reseph and the sons of Eden, who were in Telesari, or I'm sorry, Telesar. Where is the king of Hamath? the king of Arpad, the king of the city of Sevarvim, and of Hina and Iva. Then Hezekiah took the letter from the hand of the messengers and read it. <coughs> Excuse me. And he went up to the house of Yahweh and spread it out before Yahweh. And Hezekiah prayed before Yahweh and said, O Yahweh, the God of Israel, who is enthroned above the cherubim? You are the God, you alone of all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Yahweh, and hear. Open your eyes, O Yahweh, and see. And listen to the words of Sennacherib, who sent them to reproach the living God. Truly, O Yahweh, the kings of Assyria have laid waste the nations and their lands, and have put their gods into the fire. For they were not gods, but the works of men's hands, wood and stone. So they have destroyed them. But now, O Yahweh our God, I pray, Save us from his hand, that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you alone, O Yahweh, are God. 
Then Isaiah the son of Amos sent word to Hezekiah, saying, Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel, Because you have prayed to me about Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard you. This is the word that Yahweh has spoken against him. She has despised you and mocked you, the virgin daughter of Zion. She has shaken her head behind you, the daughter of Jerusalem. Whom have you reproached and blasphemed? And against whom have you heightened your voice and haughtily lifted up your eyes against the Holy One of Israel? Through your messengers you have reproached the Lord, and you have said, With my many chariots I came up to the heights of the mountains, to the remotest parts of Lebanon, and I cut down its tall cedars and its choice cypress, and I entered its farthest lodging place, its thickest forest. I dug wells and drank foreign waters, and with the sole of my feet I dried up all the rivers of Egypt. Have you not heard? Long ago I did it, from days of old I formed it. Now I have brought it to pass, that you should devastate fortified cities into ruinous heaps. So their inhabitants were short of, were short of power. They were dismayed and put to shame. They were as the plant of the field and as the green herb, as grass on the rooftops is scorched before it rises. But I know you're sitting down, and you're going out, and you're coming in, and you're raging against me. Because of your raging against me, and because of your presumptuousness has come up to my eyes, therefore I will put my hook in your nose, and my bridle in your lips, and I will turn you back by the way which you came. Then this shall be the sign for you. You will eat this year what grows of its own accord, and the second year what springs from the same, and in the third year sow, reap, plant vineyards, and eat their fruit. <clears throat> and the surviving remnant of the house of Judah will again take root downward and bear fruit upward. For out of Jerusalem will go forth a remnant, and out of Mount Zion survivors. The zeal of Yahweh will do this. Therefore thus says Yahweh concerning the king of Assyria, He will not come to this city or shoot an arrow there, and he will not come before it with a shield or throw up a siege ramp against it. By the way that he came, by the same he will return, and he shall not come to this city, declares Yahweh. Indeed, I will defend this city to save it for my own sake, and for my servant David's sake. Now it happened that night that the angel of Yahweh went out and struck 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians, and the men arose early in the morning, and behold, all of them were dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, set out and went away, and returned home and lived at Nineveh. Now it happened that as he was worshipping in the house of Nisroch, his god, Adramalek and Shareser struck him down with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Ararat, and Eshardan, I'm sorry, Esarhaddon, his son, became king in his place. All right. In Hebrews 1, <clears throat> God, having spoken long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days spoke to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the worlds, who is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power, who, having accomplished cleansing for sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high having become so much better than the angels, as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. For to which of the angels did he ever say, You are my son? Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. And when he again brings the firstborn into the world, 
he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers flaming fire. But of the sun, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the scepter of a brightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness above your companions. And you, Lord, in the beginning founded the earth, and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain, and they all will wear out like a garment and like a mantle. You will roll them up like a garment. They will also be changed, but you are the same, and your years will not come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies as a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent to render service for the sake of those who will, who will inherit salvation? All right. Hosea 12. <clears throat> Let me get some coffee here real quick. <clears throat> all right. Hosea 12. Ephraim feeds on wind and pursues the east wind continually. He abounds in falsehood and destruction. Moreover, he cuts a covenant with Assyria, and oil is carried to Egypt. And Yahweh has a contention with Judah, and will punish Jacob according to his ways. He will cause everything to return to him according to his deeds. In the womb he took his brother by the heel, and in his maturity he wrestled with God. Indeed, he wrestled with the angel and prevailed. He wept and sought his favor. He found him at Bethel, and there he spoke with us. Even Yahweh, the God of hosts, Yahweh is his name of remembrance. Therefore return to your God, keep loving kindness and justice, and hope in your God continually. A merchant in whose hands are deceptive balances, he loves to oppress. And Ephraim said, Surely I have become rich. I have found wealth for myself, and all my labors they will find in me. No iniquity, I'm sorry, and all my labors they will find in me, no iniquity, which would be sin. But I have been Yahweh your God since the land of Egypt. I will make you settle in tents again, as in the days of the appointed festival. And I have spoken to the prophets, and I made visions abound, and by the hand of the prophets I gave parables. Is there wickedness in Gilead? Surely they are worthless. In Gilgal they sacrifice bulls. Yes, their altars are like the stone heaps beside the furrows of the field. Now Jacob fled to the field of Arab, and Israel worked for a wife, and for a wife he kept sheep. But by a prophet Yahweh brought Israel up from Egypt, and by a prophet he was kept. Ephraim has provoked to bitter anger, so his Lord will leave his blood guilt on him and cause his reproach to return to him. Psalm 135 Praise Yah, praise the name of Yahweh. Praise him, O slaves of Yahweh, you who stand in the house of Yahweh, in the courts of the house of our God. Praise Yah, for Yahweh is good. Sing praises to his name, for it is lovely. For Yah has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his treasured possession. For I know that Yahweh is great, and that our Lord is greater than all gods. Whatever Yahweh pleases, he does, in heaven and on earth, in the seas and and, and in all deeps. The one who causes the clouds to ascend from the end of the earth, who makes lightning for lightnings for the rain, 
who brings forth the wind from his storehouses. He struck the firstborn of Egypt, from man to beast. He sent signs and wonders into your midst, O Egypt, among Pharaoh and all his slaves. He struck many nations and slew mighty kings, Sihon king of the Amorites and Og king of Bashan and all the kingdoms of Canaan. And he gave their land as an inheritance, an inheritance to Israel, his people. O Yahweh, your name is everlasting. O Yahweh, your remembrance is from generation to generation. For Yahweh will render justice for his people and will give comfort to his slaves. The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. They have eyes, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Surely there is not any breath in your in their mouths. Those who make them will be like them, all who trust in them. O house of Israel, bless Yahweh. O house of Aaron, bless Yahweh. O house of Levi, bless Yahweh. You who fear Yahweh, bless Yahweh. Blessed be Yahweh from Zion, who dwells in Jerusalem. Praise Yah. Psalm 136, give thanks to Yahweh, for he is good, for his loving kindness endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods, for his loving kindness endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who alone does great wonders, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who made the heavens with skill, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who spread out the earth above the waters, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who made the great lights, for his loving kindness endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for his loving kindness endures forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his loving kindness endures forever. To him who struck the Egyptians through their firstborn, for his loving kindness endures forever. Then brought Israel out from their midst, for his loving kindness endures forever, with a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for his loving kindness endures forever, to him who divided the Red Sea in two, for his loving kindness endures forever, and made Israel pass through the midst of it, for his loving kindness endures forever. But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea, for his loving kindness endures forever, to him who led his people through the wilderness. For his loving kindness endures forever. To him who struck great kings, for his loving kindness endures forever. And killed mighty kings, for his loving kindness endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his loving kindness endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, for his loving kindness endures forever. And gave their land as an inheritance, for his loving kindness endures forever even an inheritance to Israel, his servant, for his loving kindness endures forever, who remembered us in our low estate, for his loving kindness endures forever, and has snatched us from our adversaries, for his loving kindness endures forever, who gives food to all flesh, for his loving kindness endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven, for his loving kindness endures forever. All right, that is our Bible reading for today, for this morning. (coughs) Again, I hope and pray that it has lifted you up, that it has equipped you, that it has edified you, and that that it will hedge up your ways 
so that you truly will walk through the coming day as witnesses for Christ, as true imitators of God, as imitators of Christ. All right, let's go ahead and close out with our with our closing prayer for this morning. We're going to do the Lord's Day morning prayer to close out this morning. O maker and upholder of all things, day and night are thine. They are also mine from thee. The night to rid me of the cares of the day, to refresh my weary body, to renew my natural strength. The day to summon me to new activities, to give me opportunity to glorify thee, to serve my generation, to acquire knowledge, holiness, eternal life. But one day above all days is made especially for thy honor and my improvement. The Sabbath reminds me of thy rest from creation, of the resurrection of my Savior, of his entering into repose. Thy house is mine, but I am unworthy to meet thee there, and am unfit for spiritual service. When I enter it, I come before thee as a sinner, condemned by conscience and thy word. For I am still in the body and in the wilderness, ignorant, weak, in danger, and in need of thine aid, but encouraged by thy all-sufficient grace. Let me go to thy house with a lively hope of meeting thee, knowing that there thou wilt come to me and give me peace. My soul is drawn out to thee in longing desires, for thy presence in the sanctuary, at the table, where all are entertained on a feast of good things. Let me before the broken elements, emblems of thy dying glove, cry to thee with broken heart for grace and forgiveness. I long for that blissful communion of thy people, in thy eternal house, in the perfect kingdom. These are they that follow the Lamb. May I be of their company. Amen. All right. Again, I hope you have a wonderful day. Um, I pray and beg that you would be in church today, that you would get yourself to church and that you would sit under the solid teaching of the word of God. Um, I've told you before about the church finders, both um, founders ministry and master seminary. Um, you can go Google them up. You can find churches and pastors there. Um, hopefully ones that are close to you so that you can attend. Um, but we've got to sit under the word of God. So I would beg you, um, get under the word of God. Um, it's not a request. It is a command from God. So do all that you can to be there. All right. So that's it for this morning. Again, do all that you do today, every little thing to the glory of God. God bless. Welcome to the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. This podcast will be a sharing of part of my morning routine as I prepare for the day with the Word of God. We will be partaking of Puritan prayers from the Valley of Vision, each day's morning devotional from Charles Haddon Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, and we'll be reading from the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the newest and, I believe, the most accurate translation of the Word of God. We will be following a Bible reading calendar that provides for reading the whole Bible in a year that was created by Minister Robert Murray McShane for his congregation back in 1842, and that has been a part of my daily reading for over six years now. Good evening and welcome to the evening portion of the November 6th episode of the Faith Comes From Hearing podcast. Again, I'm Wayne Floyd, your host, still with you today. We're going to go ahead and open our uh, open our time this evening with the first day evening prayer. It's called the teacher. 
O God, we bless thee, our creator, preserver, benefactor, teacher, for opening to us the volume of nature, where we may read and consider thy works. Thou hast this day spread before us the fuller pages of revelation, and in them we see what thou wouldst have us do, what thou requirest of us, what thou hast done for us, what thou hast promised to us, what thou hast given us in Jesus. We pray thee for a conscious experience of his salvation, in our deliverance from sin, in our bearing his image, in our enjoying his presence, in our being upheld by his free spirit. <clears throat> Let us not live uncertain of what we are, of where we are going. Bear witness with our spirit that we are thy children, and enable each one to say, I know my Redeemer. Bless us with a growing sense of this salvation. If already enlightened in Christ, may we see greater things. If quickened, may we have more abundant life. If renewed, let us go on from strength to strength. Give us closer abiding in Jesus, that we may bring forth more fruit. Have a deeper sense of our obligations to him, that we may surrender all. Have a fuller joy, that we may serve him more completely. And may our faith work by love towards him who died, towards our fellow believers, towards our fellow men. Amen. All right. In our evening devotion from Spurgeon's Morning and Evening, the uh, November 6th devotion. This is the evening portion. Say uh, Hebrews 9.20 is the text for it. Saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto us. There is a strange power about the very name of blood, and the sight of it is always affecting. A kind heart cannot bear to see a sparrow bleed, and unless familiarized by use, turns away with horror at the slaughter of a beast. As to the blood of men, it is a consecrated thing. It is murder to shed it in wrath. It is a dreadful crime to squander it in war. Is this solemnity occasioned by the fact that the blood is the life and the pouring of it forth the token of death? We think so. When we rise to contemplate the blood of the Son of God, our awe is yet more increased, and we shudder as we think of the guilt of sin and the terrible penalty which the sin-bearer endured. Blood, always precious, is priceless when it streams from Emmanuel's side. The blood of Jesus seals the covenant of grace and, make, and makes it forever sure. Covenants of old were made by sacrifice, and the everlasting covenant was ratified in the same manner. Oh, the delight of being saved upon the sure foundation of divine engagements, which cannot be dishonored. Salvation by the works of the law is a frail and broken vessel whose shipwreck is sure, but the covenant vessel fears no storms, for the blood ensures the whole. The blood of Jesus makes his testament valid. Wills are of no power unless the testators die. In this light, the soldier's spear is a blessed aid to faith, since it proves our Lord to be really dead. Doubts upon that matter there can be none, and we may boldly appropriate the legacies which he has left for his people. Happy they who see their title to heavenly blessings assured to them by a dying Savior. But has this blood no voice to us? Does it not bid us sanctify ourselves unto him, by whom we have been redeemed? Does it not call us to newness of life, and incite us to entire, to entire consecration to the Lord? Oh, that the power of the blood might be known, and felt in us this night. All right. <clears throat> so this evening, I'm going to continue on 
in the book of Ephesians. I thought it would be a good follow-on to the last two evenings where I was in Ephesians 4. So we've moved right on into Ephesians 5 and it's verses 1 and 2. Again, this continues the section here that uh, we've been dealing with that starts, that begins actually at the very beginning of Ephesians 4, uh, where it speaks of walking worthy. And so we're talking about the worthy walk. So these are different walks within the worthy, worthy walk, different walks that make up the worthy walk. So in Ephesians 4, we talked about that gen the that our walk is not to be that of the Gentiles. It's not to be that of the unbeliever. The Gentile is the unbeliever, that it's no longer to be that way. And we talked about that, putting off the old man and putting on, taking off the old man and putting on the new. So what we come to here is in Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2, and let me go ahead and read them to you. So Ephesians 5 verses 1 and 2, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. Again, we're continuing on, as I said, in that Christian walk. And we, like I said, we already dealt with the Gentile walk, the unbelievers walk that we're not to look like. And of course, within that, it gives us, here's what you should do because here's what you should not do. And it, and it broke it down. Um, especially, um, in last night's talking about the new man, um, speaking truth and no longer lying, being angry, but not sinning, no longer stealing, but doing work, not only to provide for yourself, but for others, um, no whole unwholesomeness coming from your mouths, um, at all, not grieving the Holy spirit, putting away all the negative. Uh, it was a whole list of negative, negative words but being kind. And, and again, the, the list of kindness, which comes to our first word here in Ephesians 5, 1, therefore, and if you ever see therefore in the scriptures, what that should drive you to do is to ask the question, what's the therefore, therefore? Now I know that sounds goofy, but it really means it. What does the therefore mean? Why is it where it is? Well, what it is, is it's saying that what is about to come in the, in the following verses and the rest of verse one and verse two and on down refer back to the verses before what happened before. So we saw in Ephesians four, we saw in speaking about the new man talking about letting all bitterness and anger and wrath and shouting and slander be put away from you along with all malice. That's um, verse 31 in Ephesians four going on instead, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, graciously forgiving each other, just as God, just as God in Christ also has graciously forgiven you. So the therefore says in light of all that, we are to be imitators of God. We are to be imitators of God as beloved, as beloved children. And I, and I, I know I've repeatedly in this podcast brought this up, especially in my prayers. If we, as we've closed out certain episodes that our Christian walk, our walk of sanctification we are to be imitators of God. This is the command here. We are to be imitators of God. We also see Paul, um, and as I've brought up before, in uh, one of his other epistles, um, said, told whoever he wrote the letter to, and I, again, I can't remember who it was, said that for, for them to be imitators of him as he was of Christ. So basically he's telling them to be imitators of Christ, who is God incarnate. 
So we're to be imitators of God. We are to mimic. We are to be true imitators of him. And in the word there um, for imitators is mimetes. That's the Greek. Okay. That, that basically translates in English as mimic, but that's not really the best translation. I mean, that word is, but our, our understanding of mimic is not the same. We think of mimic as being a farcical replication of what we're imitating. That's not what mimites meant. That means it, it, taking on the attributes of what you are imitating. So in this case, of course, it's not referring to us taking on the, the attributes of uh, his omniscience, his omnipotence, his, his um, omnipresence. That, that's not what it's talking about. But it is talking about taking on the attributes, his, his loving kindness. We, we heard in our, um, one of our Psalms this morning, um, his loving kindness endures forever. His loving kindness endures forever. Um, if I remember right, it's Psalm 136 for his loving kindness endures forever. Yeah. And it says that every other stanza, his loving kindness endures forever. We're to take on the loving kindness of God, that loving kindness that gave his only son. We're to take on the attributes of, of the God incarnate, the son who laid down his life, who sacrificed and laid down his life for you and I took our punishment on himself. We are to be imitators of that. That's what that's saying. We are to show loving kindness. We are to show grace. We are to show mercy as God does. And if you want to know how God does it, you've got to be in your Bible. You've got to be in scripture and you've got to be reading it. And I will guarantee you the majority of us, if not all of us, probably all of us, we don't imitate God. We don't take on those attributes. We, we, we allow ourselves to be too saturated with what the world says around us and how they say we should behave. And that's not acceptable. We are to be imitators of God. We are to love. And that that's what this goes on to. And too, it talks about we are to walk in love. And so that's what I'm talking about here. We are to take on that true love of God and how it manifests in his kindness and his lovingness in his sacrifice and Christ's sacrifice for us. We are to take that on. We're not to, it's not supposed to be a farcical imitation. We are to be mimetists. We are to be true imitators. We are to take on God's attributes. Those, those, those replicable, um, by us, um, attributes, his loving kindness, his long suffering. We are to take those on and it goes on as beloved children. Listen, I know, and and yes, I, I preached on this and I preached on it a while back and what I spoke of then, it, 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 it's true now. We're watching the destruction of the nuclear family um, and it's been going on for years now. Um, any and everybody are attacking it, including Black Lives Matter. And, and I'm sorry, if, if you back that up, that group up, they're terrorists. They're terrorists. I do believe that Black Lives Matter, I believe the organization are terrorists. Um, and I think there's more than enough evidence out there along with Antifa to prove that. But what I'm speaking of in this case is they, they have put it directly into words and they've taken actions for it. They are, <clears throat> sorry, they are striving to destroy the nuclear family. <clears throat> and in doing so, they are totally corrupting what our 
concept is of a father. So it's saying, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. He's our father. He loves us. And I know that's hard in this world. I, I, I've known way too many people that have had an awful relationship with their father, whether they be adopted or whether they be a blood child. In this case, we're adopted children of God, but they've had awful, awful relationships with their fathers. Um, if the father's even been in the home and in a lot of cases nowadays, um, particularly among certain groups, the fathers aren't staying at home. The fathers aren't doing anything to try to raise these, raise these children. But that's a human corruption of this. What we are speaking of here, speaking of here is the perfect father, the perfect fatherly relationship with us. We are his truly perfectly beloved children. You have got to put aside what man has done in this world. You've got to be in his word, which will show you how much God loves you, how much you are truly his beloved child, because he chose you. He chose you before the foundation of the world. He chose you. So we are his beloved children. So we must be imitators of him as beloved children. Um, you know, I think back on it and I was, as I was growing up, I remember very much as my dad would go and do things and as he would teach me things, I would work very, very hard to imitate him, to take on the attributes of him, um, to learn how to do things exactly like he did. Even you, you'll see it sometimes. They'll try to walk just like dad does. They'll try to carry themselves just like dad does. We as children and, and children that we see and grandchildren that we see try to walk and behave like their fathers and act like their fathers. Um, in, in the good stuff, I'm uh, unfortunately, sometimes it happens in the bad stuff and the, in the father acting poorly. Um, and that's not good, but, but you see that imitation. So it's natural, truly natural for children to want to Im imitate their father. That's what we're speaking of here. That natural imitation, but th that taking on of those attributes, not in a farcical way, but in a truly replicative way. And so it goes on in verse two and walk in love. We are to walk in love as God walks in love. Again, think of all that he gave and sacrificed for us. All that he does for us, all that he has tolerated from us down through history. And don't think because you weren't Adam or you weren't the Israelites under Moses or you weren't King Ahab that you are not a burden to God. <laughs> not, not that we could truly, but you know what I mean? That you're not that child that he's just going, oh, and kind of slapping his forehead. You and I both are. Don't mistake yourself. Don't try to put yourself up on a pedestal because you and I both are the fetid pun scum. You and I both are the atrocious problem child. Yet he loves us so much. But it goes on to explain that love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. God gave up Christ 
and Christ gave himself up. It says clearly in the scriptures that he allowed himself to be taken. He allowed himself to be crucified. He allowed his life to be taken. And then he picked it back up. But he sacrificed himself before God. And it goes on to say, as a fragrant aroma, that is the only sacrifice that is ever coming in, in the whole Bible where it is spoken of and it's used that kind of language as a fragrant aroma, a sweet smelling aroma. Because his sacrifice paid for all of our sins in his great love and his God in God's great love, he paid all of our debts. So again, as I said yesterday, and as I said the evening before, so that we can stand holy and blameless before him. He was that fragrant sacrifice because he completed the Mosaic covenant. His sacrifice paid the debt that all the animal sacrifices could never do. But what love that Christ would lay it down. And that's the love we have to walk in. And we have to walk in in this world. And we don't. We don't. I, I, I can confidently say that you and I both struggle with this, that you and I both stumble constantly at this. And, and I know, yeah, we're human and we're going to do that till glorification because we will not be perfect until we receive our new body. I, I, I agree with that. But that's not an excuse for our walk, our worthy walk that starts in Ephesians 4, our worthy walk to be constantly growing and changing and becoming more and more imitators of God, Ephesians 5.1, imitators of God as beloved children and walking in that love, that love of God. We have got to go beyond the superficial, lame love, and I'm putting it in quotes, that we think we show. And we have got got to truly be lovers of our fellow man and lovers of God. We have got to truly manifest that love and we've got to manifest it constantly. Every second of every minute, every minute of every hour, every hour of every day in our Christian walk. Again, these are not requests by Paul. These are commands by God through Paul, by Jesus, from Jesus Christ, through Paul, that we walk in love just as Christ loved us. He gave himself up for us. He made the sacrifice that we never could to pay our debt and to provide us eternal life. With all of that sacrifice, how can we make excuses as to why we're not walking in love, why our Christian, why our Christian walk does not manifest the love of God, does not manifest the, the love God had for us and that we should have for our, for our neighbors, for our next door neighbor, for the person down the street, for, for honestly, the politician that's trying to get elected and bombarding us at this point with text messages and ads and everything else. And it's the person that we would vote. We would least likely vote for. We'd rather vote for a turnip instead of them. We still must love them. We still have to manifest that love. We still have to constantly be in prayer for all these people. 
And we're not. We're not. And we've got to go past that. We have been given such a wonderful, gracious, loving gift. Through Christ's life, death, and resurrection. How do we not turn around and show grace and mercy and love to those around us? That's what we're called to here. We are to be imitators of God, showing that same love that he's shown us. And we are to walk in love, just as Christ also loved us and gave himself up for us. That's what we're called to do in the verses today. We're to walk in love. All right. That's our little message for this evening. We're going to go ahead and close with the Lord's Day evening prayer from Valley of Vision. Most holy God, may the close of an earthly Sabbath remind me that the last of them will one day end. Animate me with joy that in heaven praise will never cease, that adoration will continue forever, that no flesh will grow weary, no congregations disperse, no affections flag, no thoughts wander, no will droop, but all will be adoring love. Guard my mind from making ordinances, my stay or trust, from hewing out broken cisterns, from resting on outward helps. Wing me through earthly forms to thy immediate presence. May my feeble prayers show me the emptiness and vanity, vanity of my sins. Deepen in me the conviction that my most fervent prayers and most lowly confessions need to be repented of. May my best services bring me nearer to the cross and prompt me to cry, none but Jesus. By thy spirit, give abiding life to the lessons of this day. May the seed sown take deep root and yield a full harvest. Let all who see me take knowledge that I have been with thee, that thou hast taught me my need as a sinner, hast revealed a finished salvation to me, hast hast enriched me with all spiritual blessings, hast chosen me to show forth Jesus to others, hast helped me to dispel the mists of unbelief. O great creator, mighty protector, gracious preserver, Thou dost load me with loving kindness, and hast made me thy made me thy purchased possession, and redeemed me from all guilt. I praise and bless thee for my Sabbath rest, my calm conscience, my peace of heart. Amen. All right. I hope you've had a wonderful day. I, I would pray that you were actually in church today. And I hope you have a, a good evening's rest. God bless. Thank you.